Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Awesome. Good evening, everybody. It's awesome to be here. And uh, we are in week three of our The Naked Truth series, where we are talking about sex and sexuality and purity in those areas. Um, So if you've missed it, the first week we spoke about what is purity, is it an outdated concept, Um, is it still relevant in today's age? My personal answer to that is, have you seen the ancient Greeks? So if it was relevant then, it's definitely relevant now because I feel like they were a lot more wild in some ways. Um, second week, we spoke about um, sexual healing. Um, God wants us to be free. You know, God wants us, he came and he brought us holiness. He made us holy and he sanctified us and that's the way he wants us to live. And, you know, like what was happening in worship was, was nothing holds us back from the love of God. There's nothing in your past, nothing that you have done that will ever stop God from loving you. Not ever. And in this area, God wants to see us restored and living in purity and the way that he intended us to live. So, let's make sure that's on. Cool. So, um, the big idea around what we're talking about here is that we want to really acknowledge and learn and and understand that sex is good, right? And I don't just mean sex is good, (laughs) all right? I mean, sex is good because God created it. It was God's idea. And we have this weird idea of thinking that, you know, um, that it's weird to bring God into that space. It's weird to talk about God and sex in the same sentence. Um, and very often we have this weird idea as well of kind of using, um, making sex icky so that we can maintain our purity. Like as long as I think it's gross, then I won't engage in it, which is an issue because when I get married, I'm going to take that thought into my marriage, right? So we really want to deal with this that... Um, Sex is a good thing. God created us as sexual beings. He created us to enjoy sex, but within the plan and the boundaries that he created it to be. He had a vision when he created it that it would be within a covenant relationship between a man and a woman who were devoted to each other, living in faithfulness to each other. And that was his plan. But there's also a plan for me in my singleness that I can still be a sexual being, but be pure because I walk before God Um, correctly in that, and I take responsibility for how I live that out in my life. So, things to just think about. Sex is a gift from a loving creator. It is a gift, and regardless of of what things have happened to you or the, the perceptions that you have about it, God wants you to know that it is a gift that he gave to you. Um, that we have sexual needs, Right? Because we were created with a sexual system, hormones that make it work and make it function, we do have needs, but it is my responsibility to govern those needs in a godly and holy way. Um, Greg and, and even Jason Zach spoke about this so well that since my body is a gift that God has given to me because he created me, it's my responsibility there, uh, to take care of it, to make sure that I, I live in submission to God even in this space. Um, hormones are not an excuse. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's delve into the scripture quickly. Okay, so this week we are looking at... Uh, why is this not working? 
Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay, cool. So we're looking at healthy sexual boundaries. Um, and so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20. So all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both, uh, this, uh, the, both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one in body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So we're talking about sexual boundaries, right? And... Um, Firstly, I, I want to clarify this, that sometimes we kind of think of sexual boundaries are for single people, so that they don't have sex, right? So that they either stop it or they maintain their virginity. But sexual boundaries are very, very important for married people as well, because God has called you to one man, one wife in a covenant relationship, and temptation comes, and things happen, and we need to have those boundaries in place to protect the relationship, the covenant relationship that we have before God with our spouse. So it's for, the boundaries are for all of us, regardless of where we are in our walk, whether we haven't had them before, whether we've maintained them and had weird things, things that we think about them, um, whether we're married, whatever it is, all right? So let's first clarify what exactly are boundaries, okay? Okay, so a boundary means a line that marks the limits of an area. It's a dividing line. And I re I'd really like this, this description. As, I mean, it's nice when you define things to understand them better. But <laughs> I like this because it, we tend to think of limits as um, constraining, right? That they stop me from doing things. And the reality is the boundaries God gives us are not there to stop us from having fun, right? They're actually there to protect us. Um, I was listening to Mussy. She spoke on the same topic in 12.15, and she was saying they're there to protect us from the consequences of sin. And that's why they're there. And, and David wrote in Psalms, your boundaries have fallen in pleasant places for me. And we really need to believe that, that any boundary God gives us is actually pleasant because he wants us to live well. So boundary is the limit. It's the limit of what is good, pleasing, and acceptable to God. If you ever have to ask yourself, is this too far? Is this okay? Ask yourself, is it good? Is it pleasing to God? Um, and what was the other thing? <laughs> Something Mike's has thrown me. <laughs> um, is it acceptable to God? And that'll help you to define if what you're doing is too far. Generally, if you have to ask the question, you're probably pushing the line. Yeah. Just so you know. All right. And then that thing, dividing line. A dividing line sets us apart because we are set apart. If you have accepted Christ into your life, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, and you are meant to look, smell, sound different to the world. And so it is a dividing line. And I can tell you as a single, 
nothing divides me faster than putting down my sexual boundaries. Um, and I can tell the quality of somebody's relationship with God by theirs. Okay. Can you guys do the slides for me at the back? Sorry, because now I've got too many hands. <laughs> I don't have a third. <laughs> cool. All right, so we can do the next one. So, boundaries are about experiencing God's best for me. So I said this already, that God wants us to live well. Um, and I said free, um, boundaries can make us feel limited, but boundaries are actually about freedom. Because sometimes we think that freedom means I can lose control. I can just go wild, right? But if all of us lived that way, the result would be complete and utter chaos. We were not meant to live that way. And freedom does not look like that. I was uh, reading an article in preparation for this from um, Cornerstone Christian Counseling, and they quote somebody else. If anybody wants it, I can give you the link. But I'm just going to read what they say about this. So God created us to be free and to act responsibly with our freedom. He wanted us to be in control of ourselves and to have a good existence. He was behind that idea all along. But as we know, we misused our freedom, and as a result, we lost it. And the big fruit of this loss of freedom was the loss of self-control. We have the, felt the results of that ever since in a wide variety of misery. So we lost our ability to control ourselves. We were meant to be able to control ourselves. And I find it very interesting that one of the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. And it's very hard. It's a muscle that we are not used to having to use. But it is the way that God actually intended us to do. And what Christ did on the, on the cross restores to us our ability to control ourselves. It restores to us self-control. So in order to experience God's best for myself, I have to start exercising that muscle. I have to have boundaries that govern the way that I think about sex, the way that I conduct myself sexually, and the way that I allow others to conduct themselves towards me. And that's why I need them. Uh, next one. The next one is that um, boundaries start with understanding whose I am and who I am. If the, if the understanding of boundary is that it's the limits, right, of what is good, acceptable, and pleasing, if I don't have that subjected to something, right, if it's me, if it's what's good and pleasing and acceptable to me, then it's that thing of chaos again. Anything goes. And it might be acceptable to you to sleep with my husband, but it's not acceptable to me. That's going to create a problem. <laughs> so I have to have it subjected to something. And because we have chosen Christ, we are subjected to God. So who is God? God is love. God is righteous. God is pure. He is holy. He's all those things that we sang about in worship. That's who he is. And because he is all those things, because he is righteous, because he is just, but because he is love, I know I can trust him. That whatever he asks me to do is a good thing. And so it's okay. And I can, I can accept the boundaries that he has for me. And from that knowledge comes my identity of who I am, because I am a child of God. I am loved. I am accepted. I am righteous. I am holy. I am sanctified by the blood of Christ. 
I've received a new spirit, not of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. I have been given the gift of grace that allows me to say no to sin. Grace doesn't just clear my slate every time I mess up. It actually strengthens me and enables me and teaches me to stop doing that thing in the first place. And God has given that to me, and that's who I am. And I need boundaries to protect this identity. That's what they're there for, to protect who God says that I am. I found it interesting when I was thinking about it this morning. Um, have you noticed how cults all have a weird sex angle to them? <laughs> Every single one, whether it's who you're sleeping with, how old they are, or just weird concepts of sex, all cults seem to have this weird ideology. And the reason is because sex is important to God. It is the absolute physical reflection of an emotional connection. It is the height of intimacy when it's done the godly way. And Satan wants to come for that. Because if he can get us to stop living in that place, man, he can mess it up. He can mess us up. So we have to know that God wants to bring freedom to us in this place. But we've got to make some changes. Got to put in some boundaries. Okay, so why? Why do I need boundaries? Now I understand what they are, but why? So 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1 to 8 says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. I really like this because it doesn't matter where you are in your journey of learning how to please God, right? You've been told how to do it. It's in the Bible. If you're not sure, read it. Um, so you can never start too late. Um, but it's something that we grow in more and more. And you'll find this, if you're new to putting down sexual boundaries, you'll find that as you journey with God in this space, he'll teach you more and more, and he'll show you more and more, that it's not just about not having sex. It's about the way that I think about sex. It's the way that I, how I think about others, what I do with those, how I control myself, and he'll teach you how to do that, and you'll grow more and more in those things. Verse 2, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, we told, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness, Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So the first thing there is to abstain from immorality, right? Because we've been made holy through God. We've been made righteous through God. And my boundaries are there to protect that. That's why I need them. Uh, a couple of uh, weeks, almost months ago, we were talking about the um, Wellspring of Life series, right? And Greg was talking about um, how it's not what it comes into me that defiles me, but what comes out of me. Because God knows that we have thoughts that pop into our head from random places, right? And we have hormones that activate at weird and random moments. And it's difficult. You can't really control the thoughts that pop into your head. But you can control what you do with them. You need to ask yourself, am I feeding thoughts until they become this big raging monster that requires action, or am I starving them? 
It's also about accountability, right? So I have to know what's going on inside of me. I have to acknowledge that I do have needs. And I have to acknowledge other stuff that's going on. Like maybe I'm lonely. Maybe I'm having a really, really, really bad week and I'm just feeling really down. But what I choose to do in that moment is where defilement or purity lies. Am I going to turn to pornography to make myself feel better? Or am I going to phone somebody and say, hey, let's go grab dinner, let's go watch a movie, do healthy things, right? Am I going to go to gym? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, not me. <laughs> I'll take a walk. <laughs> yes, there we go, Paul's ice cream in moderation. Um, but, the, I mean, the point is that the choice is ours, the responsibility is ours about what we're going to do uh, with the things that come at us. The second reason is to control your body. Right, so we said that self-control is a muscle that we have to learn to activate. We have to learn to work, right? So, um, again, Greg and Zach and Jess spoke about this, that my body is my responsibility. It's nobody else's. And one day, I'm going to have to stand before God, and I'm going to have to give account for it, for everything that I did to and with my body. So if we think about the Garden of Eden, right, when the fall of man happened and um, Adam, Eve, and the snake are standing before God and they have to give account to him for what has just gone down. And Adam looks at Eve and he says, it's your fault, you made me do this. And Eve looks at the snake and says, it's your fault, you told me this, this, and that. And the snake didn't have a leg to stand on because he's Satan. I couldn't resist, I'm sorry. Such an old joke. <laughs> Very bad joke. Oh, dad joke. Well, that's worse. Um, <laughs> But um, I do find it funny, Satan had no justification for what he did. Um, and then, you know, you, God looked at the snake and said, oh, yeah, you know, you're right, Adam and Eve go back to the garden, you know, it's all cool. Okay, thank you, I was worried no one was going to call out my bad theology. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what happened at all. God looked at Adam and said, I gave you instructions, and you willfully disobeyed them. Here's your consequence. He looked at Eve and said, you listened to the snake even though Adam told you what the expectation and the rule is. And then you led Adam astray. Here's your consequence. And he looked at Satan and he said, you've done this. Here's your consequence. One day my son is going to come and he's, it's going to be the last day. He's going to end you. He's going to strike you with a rock, which is a lovely way to kill snakes. But the, the reality is when I stand before God, there are no excuses. There is nobody to pass the buck to and we have to own that. It is my responsibility what I do. Nobody else's. I choose to listen to people who try to manipulate me. I choose to do the things that I do. And if you do feel forced, there's place for God to work in those places. There are places where things have happened to us that were not our choice. And God still wants to heal us from that. And people will take their consequence for the things that they have done to us. Because God takes that seriously. The scripture said, God is an avenger in all these things. The third reason I have boundaries is to protect my relationship, firstly with God and secondly with others. So Mark chapter 12 says, uh, in Mark chapter 12, the scribes come to Jesus and they're trying to catch him out and they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? Right, because there's a lot of commandments in Jewish culture, right? In, I mean, if you've read Leviticus, there's a lot. 
and it's it's complicated and they're little and they're strange and they're trying to catch them out which one's the greatest and Jesus says to them the greatest is this love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind all your soul and all your strength and second to this love your neighbor as yourself and there is no commandment greater than these two And what I love is that those two commandments sum up every single other commandment because all the commandments were about governing my relationship with God and my relationship with people. When it comes to boundaries, the first relationship I want to protect is my relationship with God because it is the one that matters the most. Transgressing these things, allowing impurity into my life and allowing that to distance me from God because God is holy Sin cannot be with him, which means when I sin, I separate myself from God. That's what hell is. It's eternal separation, irreparable separation from God. That should hurt me. Because when you love someone, you don't want to be separated from them. Anyone who's been in a loving relationship knows there's nothing worse than being in an icky place with them where things are not good. But yet we allow that to happen with our relationship with God. Because we compromise on things that we shouldn't compromise on. So when it comes to boundaries, it's to protect my relationship with God because that matters to me. Because I love him. Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey me. It's a natural outflow of loving God. And the more we love him, the more we obey. Because the more we understand that we can trust him. Because he is who he says he is. He's not a bad father, he's a good father who has only good plans for us when we submit ourselves to him. So obedience should become easier. But we have to know who he is as well, right? Which means I need to be in the word and the presence of God daily so that I know who it is I'm submitting myself to. And the other reason is to protect relationship with others, right? So that Thessalonians scripture said, don't transgress your brothers in these things. So in in week one, um, I really encourage you, if you haven't listened to the other sermons um, from the other services, to really go and listen to the podcasts um, or watch them on YouTube for 10.15. And Pastor Sai had a panel out, and one of the panelists was talking about, she was scrolling Instagram, and she just heard the Holy Spirit saying to her, you have no business being here. We have no business touching other people that we are not in covenant relationship with. You've got no business being there. Don't touch what's not yours. Don't mess with somebody that's not yours. Because if you have no future intention with that person, then somebody else is probably meant for them. And you've messed with somebody else's blessing. Why would you do that? To somebody else, to your brother, you've got to sit next to him in church, but you messed with his future girl. Or you as a girl, you messed with somebody's future husband. Why? Don't we love each other more than that? We don't think beyond that way, do we? That if this doesn't work out, well, then, you know, it's fine, I move on. We don't think that somebody else has to actually deal with that. Just that person alone, but then they're also going to take those things into their relationships. If you're honest with yourself, how much of your baggage are you taking into yours? Don't give other people baggage. Don't hurt other people. God is an avenger in these things. Firstly, he doesn't like us messing with his children. I think it breaks God's heart when we treat each other with dishonor, when we allow our own wants and desires to override and we mess with other people, we become a stumbling block for them. 
and lead them into temptation, I think it breaks God's heart because you're his precious son and his precious daughter and you're messing with his precious son and his precious daughter. It's not okay. So if you don't have intentions towards somebody, you've got no business being there. And if you've got intentions, make sure that they're pure. <laughs> okay, so before I go on, I want to talk a little bit later about some practical boundaries that you can think about. But before we do that, I want to bust some myths, right? Because I said earlier that nothing... Uh, People seem to push back, right, the moment that you put down a sexual boundary. Um, I've had some fantastic arguments in the dating space when I say sex is not an option. And so we're going to look at some of those arguments so that you guys are equipped and empowered with knowledge the next time it happens to you. And if you're the one using these arguments tonight, your night has come. You are, it's done. From here on out, you're going to be known that it's not true. Yeah, please don't put your hands up. <laughs> It's okay. You can take it before God. Okay. So the first one is this idea that um, men are sex crazed, right? So there was this thing that came out a while ago that men think about sex every seven minutes. I don't know how they'd function if that was true. <laughs> it's bad enough a couple times a day. All right. But they did a study in 2016. What they actually found is that men think about sex about 19 times a day on average, and women think about sex 10 times a day on average. And my personal theory is that the reason that there is a, a, a difference in that is because a lot of the social media and advertising aimed at men is sexualized. It really is. We sell stuff to men based on sex, and we sell stuff to women based on emotion and being domestic and brands, yes. <laughs> and on themselves, right? Most of the advertising aimed at women is you being better. Most of the stuff aimed at men is if you do this, women will want you, um, which always reminds me of those acts. Um, Adverts, everyone from the 90s knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> they were terrible, terrible things. Okay. So one of the studies that they also did was they looked at um, heterosexual monogamous relationships. Um, and they challenged this idea of men wanting sex more, right? That men want sex more than women do. And what they actually find is that um, in those relationships, it wasn't always the man who wanted sex more, more sex more often that there was little discrepancy. In some relationships, equally, it was the woman who actually wanted more sex more often than the man did. And there was very little difference between the two genders in who wanted sex more. One of the other studies they did, um, so we, we also kind of think that like men, they have more sex than women, right? Women don't really want sex as much, so we, we don't do things as much. And um, so they looked at how social norms affect the way that we report on our sex lives, how we talk about it, right? So when they made it anonymous and they said, like, no one's going to know your answers, they saw that there was very little difference between how much um, men or women masturbate, how many sexual partners they've had, or um, what, how big their sex drives are. There's actually very little difference. But you see, what happened is in society... Um, if a woman was very vocal about her sexuality and very loud and proud about it, she was usually labeled things like being slutty, being perverse, being oversexed. And if a man was kind of on the other spectrum of going like, I'm not really that driven by sex, I don't want it that often, what was the thing said to him? Are you gay? 
So men got into the habit of over-reporting their sex drives and women got into the habit of under-reporting it because there was shame attached on both sides to those things. And actually, there's very little difference between us. We all want sex, <laughs> mostly, okay? But it's generally the same. The other myth I want to bust. <laughs> Masturbation keeps me from sleeping with other people, so it's okay. <laughs> wow, you guys are quiet on that one. <laughs> people are feeling awkward. <laughs> um, the idea that masturbation lowers my sex drive and stops me from wanting more sex is actually not true. Masturbation increases your sex drive. And then it becomes this problem, right? Because the more I do it, the more I want it, so the more I have to do it. And that's how we get stuck in cycles of addiction and of problems. It's the same for pornography. We get stuck in those cycles that way. So we need to understand, actually, restraint is more helpful than using the excuse of masturbation. Because remember what Greg said last week, everything from here to there counts as sexual immorality. It's not just about penetrative sex, right? It's about everything else that I do. All right, so hopefully that has helped you. There are so many other myths that one can bust. I encourage you to go look at them because it's very interesting. Some of it's very complicated, but um, cool, sorry. So there are three areas I think that we really need to think about when it comes to boundaries. And I'm not gonna give you a list of do's and don'ts, right? Because you're not gonna listen. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Nobody wants a list of don'ts. There's enough rebels in the room who are gonna go like, oh, that's what you think. So I'm not gonna give you do's and don'ts. But the point is I want you to sit and think about what do your boundaries look like? Because growing up, I knew guys who refused to hug girls front on because it turned them on. And they wanted to keep their sexual purity so they'd either do the awkward side hug or no hug. And I can tell you, most of those guys married virgins. In fact, all of them that I know of uh, married as virgins. So there's, there's truth that boundaries actually really help, but you need to think about what do I need my boundaries to, do, to be like. Okay, so the first one is uh, boundaries in my mind, right? So this is about how I think and what I think about. So what I said earlier about what thoughts am I feeding? There's a saying that I really like that goes, um, thoughts lead to actions. Actions lead to, uh, repeated actions lead to habits. Habits lead, create character, and character will determine your destiny. So I've got to start by understanding that what I spend my time thinking on is going to have an impact. It is going to eventually lead to some kind of action. So if I'm entertaining sexual thoughts and I'm allowing them to grow, action is gonna become very hard to resist at some point. And we have to recognize that we don't often, maybe it's just me, but we don't often start by thinking about sex, right? We don't start thinking about the act. It usually starts way before that with something fairly innocuous. I wish somebody would give me a hug. It's just like warm and cozy, and then I can nuddle my, my, you know, into his neck, and then his hands can rub my back, and then next minute, you know, the top's coming off, and things are progressing. But it started with something really innocent, right? Something that I need. I need a hug. <laughs> Somebody hug me. Okay, <laughs> don't please. It's awkward now. <laughs> but it's the, this is the thing. So I've got to sit and I've got to think about what are the roots of some of the the, the times when I end up. Where did I start? because I need to, to cut things off with the root. Remember, the Bible tells us, take capture 
every thought and submit it to the knowledge of Christ. Ask yourself, is this pleasing? Is this acceptable? Is this good to God? And it'll help you determine, do I need to cut this thought at the root and think of something else and go up and do something else? Some of the studies show that things that help with things like sexual frustration, if you're feeling aroused, because, I mean, we do sometimes. It's natural. We were created that way. Um, they say things that help, if you, sex is not an option, if you're single or you're not with your spouse, sex is not an option, then go and do something. Change activities, do something active. Go, this is why people go to the gym. Um, <laughs> It's not the only reason. <laughs> it's helpful, though. Um, but this is why people do things like that, because it helps you, and the moment passes. Despite what you feel in the moment, it does pass. This is also about how I think about others, right? Because if I'm in the habit of evaluating people every time they walk past me, oh, he's a 10. Mmm. You know? <laughs> whatever. The problem is that it becomes that, it, that thought pattern again. If I'm so used to undressing people with my eyes, for starters, guys, that's so dishonorable. They didn't give you permission to do that or to think of you that way. Do you want people to think of you that way? It's really not, a, it's not okay. It's just not okay. And we need to get into the habit of when I start looking at people that way, I actually need to address this. I need to capture that and bring it into submission of Christ. God doesn't want me thinking about people that way. I don't want people thinking about me that way. It's horrible. I don't like it. So, we, so this is the things that we need to think about. When we think about boundaries for our mind, let's think about what am I thinking? What am I feeding in my thoughts? How am I viewing others? The second boundary is um, the boundary for my behavior. So things that I'm responsible for that compromise my boundaries. So this can be things like, kind of like, it can be the way that I dress. Now, why do I say that? Okay, because also, as a woman, I don't like being told how to dress. <laughs> I really don't. But there is validity in this, because the thing is, sometimes I look like bait, and I'm catching certain kinds of fish. And I might get irritated with the fish, but I can't really get annoyed because I set out the bait. And we have to think of those things, and it is annoying. And this is, I want to make this clear. This is not about taking responsibility away from the other, other person because they are also responsibility. It's responsible, and they will also have to give account. But I am responsible for me. And so I have to sit and think about, am I wearing lingerie under this because it's nice for me, or do I secretly hope someone sees it? It's a valid question to ask. And if you can wear it just for you, awesome. If you can honestly answer that question that that is your intention, fantastic. If not, maybe you need to think about a boundary. So like I said, this is not do's and don'ts. These are things you need to question about yourself. It can also be things that I post on social media. Why am I putting that up? What am I trying to catch? Because sometimes we put things up and then people slide into our DMs and we get all irritated, like, where is this coming from? Well, you posted something that opened a door. And sometimes you don't because there are perverts out there and there are people who need to check themselves and that's, that's okay. But ask yourself the question, do I really need to put myself in this up there all the time? What message am I actually sending? Oh, I love this one. 
floating. <laughs> okay. So I actually looked this up. The way men and women perceive flirting is very different. And we need to acknowledge and accept this. It's like two different languages. And we need to learn to speak each other's languages to help each other. Okay? So women tend to view flirting as just an interaction, right? That's it. Like, it's fun. To be honest, I think it's normally about us and not about you. <laughs> it's about we feel good from the attention. I'm feeling nice. I was feeling insecure. Now I feel like, yeah, I'm rocking. Um, yeah, so we can walk away from flirting and never think of you again. It's the truth. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of girls nodding, so I'm not, I'm not entirely wrong. It's not just me. <laughs> but that's the way that we see it. It's not an invitation, but here's the problem. Guys see flirting as an invitation for action. That is how they perceive it. So when you flirt with a guy, he's thinking you're giving him a green light. And then we get mad because we're like, I didn't give you permission. Yeah, he kind of did in his language. So from now on, now you guys know, right? Now you've got to learn to speak each other's languages. Girls, don't flirt with people you don't have intentions towards. If you don't really like the guy and you're not interested, stop flirting. Just don't. All right? And guys, give us some grace. <laughs> we're learning. No. Um, honestly, for the guys, understand that it's not always a green light for you to do things. Test the waters. Ask them out for coffee. If they keep rejecting you, they probably didn't mean it. Let it go and move on. It's okay. She's not the one for you. It's good. There's somebody else for you because God has a plan and a purpose for you. He has somebody for you. Don't... Oh. <laughs> settle. Don't settle. Settle for God's best for you. So if it's not the girl that you want, it's okay. It's all right. God's got something for you. He's got somebody for you. And they're going to blow your mind. Because we can't dream what God has for us. Okay. So watch the flirting, right? Okay. What I am watching, what I am reading, girls, what I am, what was the other one? <laughs> what I'm listening to. Have you ever actually stopped and listened to the lyrics of some of your favorite songs? <laughs> I had to remove quite a few of them. Like, I'm happy singing. Then I sat and listened, and I was like, yo, ah, <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> we need to be really careful about the things that we are entertaining, right? Do you really need to watch a 2 to 18 movie? Is it necessary? You're going to die if you don't watch it. Because <laughs> sometimes those scenes can't be fast-forwarded through. I've tried. Invariably, you end up pausing in exactly the wrong place. <laughs> Sorry, I was having a memory that happened in matric. Um, we had to do the, a movie, and there was a scene in it, and the teacher, it was a Christian school, she tried to fast forward and stopped in exactly the wrong spot. <laughs> so, yeah, <clears throat> it doesn't work. It really doesn't. But we need to be aware of the things that we're entertaining and letting in, because it's what feeds our thoughts. It's where those random thoughts sometimes come from, because I was watching something I shouldn't have been. And the thing is, we need to, to also recognize that sexual thoughts do lead to sexual arousal. That is science. I looked it up. <laughs> it does. So if I don't want to have to struggle with the uncomfortable reality of being aroused without an outlet, don't entertain the thought. In terms of this as well, boundaries for how I behave, 
um, a really good thing is how am I letting God into the space? For starters, do I want him in the space or is it that big of a mess? I don't want Jesus sitting down, <laughs> right? But how am I inviting God into the space? God doesn't feel awkward about sex. He created it. He is incredibly aware of how sex works and how your body works. And because he's God, he also knows what you're thinking already. So why not invite him into the space? God, I'm really struggling with this. How can, what can I do? Can you help me? Can you strengthen me? That, remember, self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I need to be with the Holy Spirit so that I can increase my self-control muscle. So invite God into that space. He's not scared. He's not ashamed. He's not embarrassed. He created it. And then the last one is just boundaries for the behavior of others. So this one is really about what am I allowing or permitting others to do? Am I, the, the, and these are things that compromise my boundaries. Am I allowing people to manipulate me with their arguments about why they need their sexual needs met when we are not in a covenant relationship? Am I allowing them to do things like, do I let my, my boyfriend or my girlfriend sleep over when it's late? Because you might start off on the couch once or twice. You might walk that line, but at some point, your boundary's gonna break. So what are you allowing other people to do? And the other part of this is, is it's very important to think about how and when am I communicating my boundaries? Because if you're communicating that sex is not a boundary when you guys are lying on the couch and his hands are going places, that's a little awkward. It's a little late, and no one appreciates that. <laughs> so it's important that I'm responsible for communicating to people in my life, this is my boundary, and this is what it means. Girls, guys do not get hints. Don't. Just be explicit. I'm dead honest. Guys don't get hints. Um, they don't understand them. It's not their language. All right? So speak their language and ask them, so what do you think about premarital sex? Oh, okay, well, this is my boundary. So if you want to date me, <laughs> sex is off the table from here to there, right? Yeah. It's really important that we understand that we need to communicate our boundaries. People can't guess, and it's my responsibility, and it's how I protect my relationships. People do break boundaries. Not us breaking our boundaries, but other people break ours. And if that's something that has happened to you, God wants to move in that place as well. Because he wants you to live well. He wants you to enjoy the good gifts that he has for you. And if you haven't had good boundaries, it's okay, God wants to move in that space. God wants to help you to build good boundaries. It's never too late to put them in. So as we kind of land for tonight, if you have felt in any area that this is something you're struggling with, if you're struggling with the idea that sex is good, that it is a gift for you, if you're struggling with creating and maintaining your boundaries and it's something that you keep slipping in and you're living in that space of shame, or if it's something that other people have violated your boundaries and they've hurt you, I want you to know that wherever you are, God wants to meet with you, that he wants to come and restore healthy boundaries to you, healthy ideas of what sex is, that it was meant for you, 
in the right time and at the right place with the right person. That is his plan for you. But he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring freedom, real freedom, not what we think is freedom. That freedom of place from the consequences of sinning because we've come out of that place because we are holy and we are pure and sanctified before him. So as we land tonight, the, word, the, the ministry team is going to be up front, and I really encourage you, please come forward and receive ministry if you're struggling in any of those areas. Thank you.